Hi, this is Judge Job. And this is Judge Jeffrey. Reporting live from GaryCon 2014. We recorded the What's New with Goodman Games seminar yesterday, and we wanted to get it to you as quickly as possible. We'll return with a normal episode in about two weeks. Mother showed me when you weren't around. Welcome to Spellburn, a podcast covering the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game and old-school adventuring. It's time to party like it's 1974. everybody. Can you hear me okay? Thanks for coming. (laughs) This is the What's New with Goodman Games seminar. Thanks for coming by. The goal today is just to walk you guys through some exciting products we have coming up, um, to say thanks for supporting the World Tour Kickstarter that we just finished, and just to answer questions about what we're working on. Um, I'm Joseph Goodman. I'm the publisher of Goodman Games. I'm here with Doug Kovacs, who's the artist who does most of the covers we publish these days. Michael Curtis, who does a lot of writing, and Joe Bittman, who wrote an awesome adventure that won a contest we ran and has been doing some other great work. Um, there's other folks involved in the company who couldn't make it here today, uh, notably Harley Stroh, who we've already been joking about, and <laughs> we'll try to include the, uh, when this goes digital, we'll put his like image at the top of the screen or something, <laughs> here in spirit, um, and some other folks. But we're just going to talk through some interesting projects we have and answer questions if you guys have any and just tell you about some of the stuff we're working on. So without further ado... The first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, when DCC first came out, we released uh, an adventure module that was a pre-order special called Doom of the Savage Kings that was inserted into the first thousand copies that were printed. And a lot of people have been asking for reprints of that along the way. So I just wanted to let you know that we have finally reprinted that. Um, It's here at GaryCon. I have a copy right here. You can pick up a copy and... That's a print, okay. Prints are available. This will be like dueling images. I'll show you the printed version, and Doug will show you the, the original version over there, the printed version. But you can pick up a copy in the dealer's room now, and hopefully this answers some of the requests to get a copy of that for folks who weren't there at the very beginning. Um, and the next thing I wanted to tell you about was some pretty cool modules we have coming down the pike. So Mike Curtis here, who's a gifted guy and comes up with amazing ideas constantly has come up with another awesome adventure. So you guys know that one of the fun parts of DCC is it's based on Appendix N. So Appendix N is the bibliography that Gary Gygax listed out as sort of the works that inspired him to write D&D. And a lot of that you all know about. Like, everybody knows Tolkien. Everybody knows Vance. Everybody knows Lovecraft. There's certain authors in there that are pretty well-read and get a lot of press. Um, But there's others in there who are a little less popular or aren't as well-known. And Mike took the challenge of taking one of those authors and turning it into an awesome adventure. So you may have heard of Manly Wade Wellman, who wrote the Silver John series, which is um, kind of like Appalachian fantasy is probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a real name? I don't know Repeat if it's a real that name. name. Manly Wade Wellman. Manly Wade Wellman. I <laughs> wish I was born with that name. <laughs> <laughs> We're not manly enough That's to born with that name, name right? <laughs> <laughs> that part wasn't an appendix in. I don't know. <laughs> 
So I have here the cover for the chained coffin, which is Mike's work. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Mike to talk for a little bit just about what he was working on. Okay. All right. So as, uh, as Joseph says, is the, uh, uh, the chain coffin is based on, inspired by Manly Wade Wellman's work. Um, I had enjoyed the the Appalachia folklore section of, of, of his work, and it was really something that hadn't been touched on in you know in the earlier fantasy role-playing uh, systems because it doesn't lend itself directly to it. But one of the great things about DCC is that we're trying to go back to the roots and we're trying to, to um, mine the, the, unearth, the unearthed ore a little bit here. So uh, the chain coffin allowed me the chance to uh, kind of create my own little uh, fantasy world of Appalachia, the Shutter Mountains, and uh, in it, the adventurers, uh, they are brought into a various scheme which is going along where they find themselves in possession of a chained coffin, and there's something in it, and they have to bring it somewhere high into the Shutter Mountains. So it's actually kind of a hex crawl. Um, you, you know, trying to explore the, uh, the hollows of the mountain. Uh, there's a lot of little funky little adventures and things to run into there. And um, I just, I, I had a lot of fun writing it, and I really hope that the kind of uh, uh, Wellman's... Um, Appalachia kind of spookiness of the mountains kind of um, uh, comes through in what I did with it. I know a couple of people have play tested, and the uh, re- the responses have been good. They tested really well in Kentucky, and <laughs> so I, I I think the New Yorker guy did not do too bad trying to touch into the Appalachian uh, uh, twist. Um, we're actually we're should we want to talk about our little spinny? Uh, yeah, Doug, do you have the spinny math? What? <laughs> <laughs> Remember the, the spinning dial that you did with the puzzle on it? I'm supposed to have a print of that? Didn't you read so the, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things actually we were going to have it is because uh, we we enjoy giving you know players a little th- fun things to futz with. Is uh, this uh, there is a certain part of the adventure of the chain coffin which, fe- which features the players actually trying to figure out a basically a combination lock of swords. So what we're going to be working on is to actually include a kind of weird little puzzle dial. So rather than just say, okay, well, what, what, are, you, what are you trying to do? It's like, here, figure this thing out. <laughs> and then hand it to me when you think you have it right. And I will tell you exactly what happened. So uh, I think it's a, we're, we're trying out new things with, uh, with actually from, well, we're always trying out new things. But, <laughs> but from this point forward, we're going to be trying to get a little bit more, more funky. So uh, hopefully it works out well. And I hope when it does come out, I hope that you guys uh, check it out. And I hope you have a lot of fun with it. And uh, if you don't, you can blame Manly Whip. No, no, you can blame me. All right. <laughs> All right. Cool. No. That's good. When's it coming out? So that's a great question. So, <laughs> they don't tell me nothing. <laughs> it's written. The cover art is done. And we're going to do a Kickstarter that will start probably in about three weeks. The point of the Kickstarter will be either way the module's coming out. But what these guys referenced was the, the, the puzzle dial that Mike did is an awesome, awesome puzzle. It's not just something you can ask your players to think on and figure out, but if we print it upright, you can actually hand them a physical prop to work out. It's a door that has three spinning dials, and I've been working with the printer, and they can actually... They should have brought the image. (laughs) (laughs) That was the whole point. um, As you can see, we're a well-oiled machine. (laughs) (laughs) And the one thing that we should mention is the fact that it's it's more than one adventure. Uh, I'll get to that, too. Yeah, Yeah, so Mike brings up a good point. So we're doing a couple of things. You'll see the... I call them bubble heads. I don't know what the official term is, but... 
the bubbleheads in the corner that highlight some of the, the critters in the module, and the one in the bottom is the Rat King, because each of these, when you do an adventure, you sometimes end up with a couple pages left at the back. So what we're doing is we're doing short adventures to fill in some of that extra space. So this has the Rat King's River of Death. You may remember DCC number one had the Rat King, and it'll fill in the last couple pages with a mini-adventure. The author is Stephen Bean, who is one of the finalists in our mystery map competition from a couple years ago. And so you get basically two adventures in one. But the, the, the puzzle is awesome. Mike did a great job of coming up with these three spinning dials on a door. Doug did an amazing <coughs> job of rendering. They look awesome. And if you print it right with the printer, the way they work, they can do these, you know, like you read children's books and they have all this sort of amazing props and everything. They can actually do three spinning dials on the inside cover. It's expensive, which is the downside. That's why we're going to test out the Kickstarter. But it, it's basically an awesome way to give your players a puzzle, which is, you know, something you don't normally get in a module. Cool. Did I leave me all right. out? Yeah. All right. All right. So that's the chain coffin. The next uh, exciting module is one by Harley Stroh. He's not here to talk about it, so we'll talk about it. And Mike, if you'd like to poke fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew the rivalry for free. But Harley wrote a great adventure called Peril on the Purple Planet. Um, and Doug, <laughs> Doug brought the cover art. Check that out. So the, the cover art is awesome. As, as you'll see, that, that's uh, wider than one panel for that cover. So let me talk a little bit about the module, and then we'll talk about why the cover art is so big. Um, the module is awesome. You guys have all heard of Edgar Rice Burroughs and his bar series. And even though it's in Appendix N, it involves going to another planet. And a lot of Appendix N actually involves going to other planets. And D&D along the way uh, sort of interpreted this as extraplanar travel, and that's sort of how it became known in the modern era. But when you go back to Appendix N, there's a number of works, I mean, including parts of Lovecraft, including some of the works of Robert E. Howard, where the characters go not to Vance all over, yeah, to go to actual other planets, not necessarily in a flying spaceship, but one way or the other they get there. So the principle behind this adventure is the characters go to another planet. Um, it's filled with uh, raging savages, as you can see from this. <laughs> There's some sort of dying techno science, as you can see from the robot-like guy and the floating heads with jetpacks and so on. And it's a really fun adventure. It's a hex crawl set on a, an alien planet. The characters have to... They can take the choices of what they do, but they can figure out how to come back home. They can figure out how to become warlords and take over the planet. They can figure out a lot of other options they can just explore. And it, it's amazingly compact for an adventure of such vast scope and an awesome, awesome adventure to play. So in rendering this, what we're going to try to do with this one, and again, we're kind of experimenting with new formats for adventures. Anybody can produce a 32-page adventure. We're now trying to get to the point where we do sort of fun, exciting things like the spinning dial, and in this case, like the wraparound cover. It'll be a double-wide cover, so you open it up, and the cover will span both the front and back. In addition, there'll be wraparounds. They're called French folds in sort of technical printer terms. And the French folds will wrap around on the inside edge. So as you're playing, you can flip it out and show the players a handout. So you'll see on one edge there, on the left-hand side, is the mushroom forest. And each of those different mushrooms corresponds to a certain uh, effect, if sort of consumed or ingested or, you know, applied in some way. And on the far right are a series of uh, critters from this planet. And each of those is a visual description of what the critter is. So the DM doesn't have to say it's a big green monster, blah, blah, blah. You can just flip it out and point to it. So what we're going to do with this, and there'll be another Kickstarter shortly, and the idea will be that either way it's going to get printed, but we like to pay for the cost of doing this sort of custom printing of these fold-out additional handouts and so on. In addition to that, the map is awesome. Um, the original map was rendered in sort of a vast text call format, and we want to do the map as kind of a fold-out, so when you open the center of the module, you actually fold out an additional gatefold, and it's a three-panel wide map. And Doug, as always, has amazing ideas on the maps. Doug, do you want to talk for a minute about the cover art? Uh, He's going to ask me questions. <laughs> it's a game show. Alex Trebek, would you like to ask a question? Stand up. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to know, Mike? 
What's going on here? <laughs> I can answer any question. Okay, all right. Well, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are actually interested in how you do your work, man. Right? Okay, What's the okay. process? Okay. Um, can I have to use this? <laughs> It'd be faster. <laughs> yes. Hello. Ah. Uh, well, process is I use acrylic paint. Um, it's paper mounted on a. Uh, Gessoed board. You can see the boards here. Um, I draw it, get some colors together, and I paint it. I'm not going to give away any secrets. Uh, part of it has to do with uh, giving up any semblance of a normal life and having a kind of hobo style. Like me. So, um, that's your technique? Then, then, yeah, that's my technique. It's kind of a, a life choice. Um, where I paint it is kind of a broad swath of just me being me. But just stand in front of it just kind of move my hands around and then it's done after a few, <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> you know, you, it's a little more complicated. You get, get a mixed paints and but you don't need to know that. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, there you go. It turned out great for it being such a simple process. Yeah, it's easy. It's really easy. Yes, Todd. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, because yours are so full. I love your artwork and such. Thank you. They have so many items and so many intricacies in it and stuff. Do you talk to Joseph or whoever's running the module? Does it like the content of that art first and then draft it out first? Or how do you uh, well, get into all that? <laughs> um, it's kind of a little different on some of them. Like, for instance, like on Sailors and Starless Sea, um, we didn't really have a description of the monster when I painted it, and we kind of clever, it was kind of going on at the same time, so I kind of made that up myself, but then Joe will give me some kind of rough idea, and sometimes Michael had an okay idea. <laughs> you can take credit for the, the chain coffin. All right, right, thank you. Yeah, something else, too, that we're going to talk about next. Because like, uh, these are specific monsters in that. Yeah, project. yeah, yeah. So, uh, actually, they, you guys gave me the module... And I don't know. I read part of it. Harley had oh, yeah. Harley, Harley this one. Harley just sent me uh, a bunch of Frazetta stuff that he was looking at that was inspiring him. And obviously, I'm not Frazetta, but um, he he was just like, how about this kind of stuff? And originally, it was only going to be the spread. So I did a like a really rough, just throw the paint at the board kind of thing. Uh, before Gen Con, and I wanted to do kind of inspired by um, maybe some Frazetta stuff, or specifically the old uh, Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader book with all his <laughs> Like, I wanted to do like overwhelming odds kind of a shit thing here, you know? Um, so that's that's what I was going for. I wanted them to get, I don't know if I pulled it off, but I wanted them to be. Um, kind of almost being pushed off the mountain and then it's got uh i think that's all i need to say about it it's beautiful, it's beautiful. It, does that answer your question yeah it's okay, just so cool. full i mean I, I think you really got to think of 
through. <laughs> yeah, come up, come yeah. up and look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah after to, the show, you guys are welcome to come up and check it all out. After we're done yeah, you yeah. do. I do have to plan out a lot of stuff. There's in the rendering in the end. There's some improvisation. I think about it a lot beforehand. And, it, and one thing in traditional um, appendix end cover style, have you ever noticed that? Mostly artists don't seem to know anything about the book that they're illustrating the cover for. <laughs> so, um, me, I'm, a, I'm like an anomaly genius who can actually, I'm an artist and I can read. I can't remember who said this, if it was Harley or it was somebody I was gaming with. I was like uh, showing them this part. There's a little part back in here. I'm like, it has nothing to do with anything written in the module. <laughs> so, so that's in the tradition of appendix and where the artist just kind of does some crap, and you're like, there's no lions in this. <laughs> like that kind of stuff, which we all love. <laughs> So the art's awesome. The module's awesome. And it'll be great when it comes out. Thanks, Doug. You're welcome. <laughs> so the next piece is actually something that Doug's also working on. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Jim's got a question. Oh, sorry, Jim. Yes, Jim. What's on the inside? Cover. Uh, that's a great question. So the, the two folds will fold around on the inside, then there'll be either maps or more handouts on the inside cover. Do you have to give any thought to maybe some charts or something? So that's what a silly idea. Like, uh, oh, I don't know, a DM screen? <laughs> Actually, that is a great segue to the DM screen that we're working on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. That was, that was like epic. <laughs> Literally, the next topic is the DM screen. That other image right up there above Purple Planet, this sort of, uh, yeah, it looks like a face from a long distance. When you guys come up afterwards, you'll see it's almost like a, it's a dungeon hallway with that resembles a face. This is actually one of the panels that will go into the DM screen. So it will be a four-panel DM screen. It's going to take a while to do because there's obviously four images. Then there will be all the charts and reference you need on the other side. Um, and each, yeah, if, you wanna, if you're comfortable show carrying that around, showing people. It will have a... <laughs> it's like the Twilight Zone. Anyway, each of the panels will have a, a different scene. And Doug actually had a great point about DM screens probably like three or four Gary Cons ago. We, we were talking about this a long time ago, and we originally had the idea um, to take some of the module cover art and put that on a, a DM screen and, and make it look really cool. But when you, you know, when you read a module, you view the cover from you know, 10 to 20 inches away. Like You're usually looking at it you know, like this. But the way DM screens get used is you're in a con or some setting, and there's guys sitting across the table who see the screen from usually four to five feet away. There's people walking by in the room who see the screen from 20 feet away. It almost has to be a different style of art to really, you know, you want to view it at a different distance. So that's why the images that Doug's working on, they work from a long distance, and then as you get up closer, there's more detail that you see. But the idea is there's, there are images designed specifically for DM screen to be viewed from a longer distance away. So that's coming along. That'll be later in the year. Um, the, the tables obviously are all done. <laughs> we got those covered. <laughs> the art will be a little more weird. It's a little more work. So, so next up is something I get asked about a lot, which is the, the annual. Um, and now that we're close to three years into DCC, the annual is probably more of a semi-annual or triple annual, whatever the word is for that. Um, so the original idea behind the annual was I don't want to do a lot of supplements for DCC. I just wanted to have one core book. And then every so often, um, whenever the, the time is right, include whatever additional material has sort of come up or been requested along the way. And I have some random ideas for things I've been working on, and a lot of other people do too. So at this point, it, it's time to start working on the annual. Um, so 
remind me to tell you guys what we have to do for the annual. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so after the show, we'll be starting work on the annual. Um, it will have a lot of the requests that people have made, which is additional patrons, um, sort of fleshing out clerics some more to give them more unique characteristics. Um, and, and actually just a long list of some of the, the cool ideas that people have had and worked in. Um, and the, a lot of the communities out there playing DCC have had a bunch of amazing ideas. So in some cases, I may reach out to people and say, hey, this is awesome. I like to sort of codify this in, in formal print. But it is coming along. It may not come out to the end of the year, but just want to let you guys know it is being worked on. Will, will it include uh, fleshing out of the deities? I do want to include more information on the deities, yes. Um, so last couple of points, just to let you know about some other titles that are sort of in the works that aren't necessarily uh, announced yet. We don't have fancy cover art to show off. Um, but one of the areas of DCC that, that's interesting to me is how you make magic items. In other systems, it's essentially a die roll, and it's, it's not that fantastic. But if you read some of the appendix in fiction, it, you know, the creation of magic items is often like, like a legendary task, and it involves many quests and special journeys and consulting with <laughs> oracles and extraplanar creatures, and it's a big deal. And we wanted to find a way to sort of put that into the DCC experience as a way to, to convey to people this is how we think it should be done. So Mike wrote a great adventure called The Making of the Ghost Ring, which has been playtested for a while now and is in sort of its final stages. Um, and that's still in the manuscript stage. There's no art yet, but that's sort of working its way through the, the production cycle and will come along sooner or later. Um, do you want to talk a minute about that, Mike? Just um, tell people about it? Talk briefly about it, I guess. Uh, so the uh, the making of the ghost ring, the idea is you your party of adventurers kind of gets hijacked, well, not, not hijacked, but presented the opportunity to help a, an enchantress who is on literally his dead. So uh, she uh, she has only a finite amount of time left to uh, complete her, her lifelong dream of creating a enchanted ring or a, a foul infernal spirit will lay claim upon her soul. So your party is has to uh, embark on to, to completing the last few steps in order to finish the ring and thus allow her eternal peace and rest. But in the bonus, you get a cool ring out of the deal too. So uh, um, it's uh, it's very atypical in the way of um, you know it's like okay, like like Joseph was saying, it's not a simple matter of uh, we're going to pay fifty thousand gold pieces and thirty seven experience points or what have you, and we get a magical ring out of it. Um, there's actually some some thinking and some challenging along the way on it. So um, we hope to be. Um, we hope that if uh, even if it doesn't work, uh, it, will, it will inspire people to uh, to, to create their own uh, magical crafting uh, process in DCC. So uh, it's just a, it's kind of a, a peek behind the scenes of what we're thinking about uh, where DCC is going. So and uh, and I think I think once the annual comes out, we'll kind of elaborate on some yeah. of the topics we discuss on there a little bit. So yeah, cool. So something else that's in the works. Um, some of you may know the name Brendan LaSalle. He wrote a little game called X-Crawl, which I'll talk about in a minute. He's also done some DCC modules over the years, um, and he, he does great work. He's a very creative writer, and his, what I like about Brendan's work is it's always a fun adventure. There's usually a, a lot of jokes thrown into it. Um, and while we're on that subject, have any of you guys played DCC number 10, The Sunless Garden, which came out a long, long time ago? That's one that Brendan wrote, and if you happen to own it, go back and reread it. There's actually a funny joke in there that not many people got. But there's one room where people find a, a dead dwarf. Um, there's another room where there's a wardrobe and the clothes are all the wrong size. And it's actually a cross-dressing dwarf. And if you reread the module of that knowledge, you know, there's, there's some inside jokes in there that you don't get. Uh, so Brendan's modules often have lots of little funny bits and then inside jokes. If you read it really carefully, you find out what's going on. So he's working on a zero-level adventure for DCC, which is called The Hole in the Sky, um, which is a great adventure. It, it, it's 
Supernatural and Strange. The Black Sabbath song from that. Which album is that, Tim? Ah. Master Reality? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's after Master? I'm hijacking you. <laughs> First song on. Uh, Four. Anybody? Okay, forget it. Well, that's Brendan. He probably had that It's a Black Sabbath song. All right. But we'll pursue licensing for the title. Anyway, he's writing a great adventure, and it's another zero level adventure that will come out later in the year. It should be a lot of fun. And the last thing to let you guys know is that in the fourth edition era, which I know nobody in here wants to talk about, but in that era, Harley Stroh wrote several great modules for fourth edition. We published them under the Master Dungeons title. And he was actually writing them inspired by Appendix in material. So he wrote one that was directly inspired by Michael Moorcock and another that was directly inspired by Robert E. Howard. Um, and they were published in their fourth edition under the Master Dungeons title. And they kind of got, you know, his fourth edition moved on and we moved on to DCC. They sort of got lost in the shuffle. But we're converting those to DCC rules because, frankly, they're great adventures and they are based on Appendix in material anyway. So you'll see those coming out later in the year as well. And they have Clyde Caldwell covers. They're, they're awesome looking modules. Doug Kovacs covers are good too. But it's also good to have some variety. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else that I should talk about on DCC before I keep moving? Did I forget anything? Yeah. All right. So next thing is X-Crawl. So I have here the cover art to Maximum X-Crawl. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little about, about X-Crawl just to make sure you guys know what it is. Um, it's a tremendous amount of fun. So you've probably had games in your life in, in some sort of D&D environment where it's kind of a the GM versus the players set up. The premise behind X-Crawl is exactly that. It is modern dungeon crawling set in the modern era. There's elements of fantasy that come into it. So there are fantasy creatures and spellcasting, but imagine all of that fast-forwarded to, you know, literally the year 2014. There's a sort of Roman backdrop to it in terms of how the, the pantheons evolved and so on. And the idea is that a, a dungeon judge or a DJ actually goes out and almost like a game show environment sort of creates a dungeon and populates it with monsters. And the players are superstar athletes. Like imagine like WWF kind of thing. And they, uh, they get endorsements and they have like, you know, brand names on their shoulder pads. <laughs> and they go out and they try to conquer the dungeon. And um, if they succeed, they get prizes in every room. And there's like a supermodel who brings out the sword that they won. Um, but the, the tagline is, if you die, you die. It's real. And it's televised on TV. There's sort of like different divisions. You got like the minor leagues where it's like padded swords. You got like the, the major leagues, which is what you find in this, where you're actually, uh, uh, you know, it's real. There's real spells. There's real damage. It's a lot of fun. It came out in the third edition era. Um, there were seven or eight books released by the original publisher, which was Panda Head Publications. So we've licensed it from Panda Head to re-release it. under. It'll actually be under Pathfinder Rules, coming out later this year. Um, and it's basically a tremendous amount of fun if you like Dungeon Crawls. You can do it as one-shots, because it really is kind of a like the DJ or DM essentially versus the players. Or you can do campaigns where your characters get more and more powerful, they accrue more endorsements, they have what's called fame, so they can sort of pull off stunts and the audience cheers and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. Well, yes? Would you ever consider uh, publishing those using the DCC mechanics? Yeah, I totally would. Um, so, <laughs> so I, Brendan and I have been talking about the right system for this for a while, and he already had a lot of work done under Pathfinder, so obviously that's the way to go because a lot of it's done. But it actually, parts of it would work great with DCC. Like, the way Mighty Deeds work would be an awesome substitution for some of the stuff in there. So, yeah, definitely. Down the road or maybe a conversion or something. Yeah. So that's Maximum X-Crawl. Um, a lot of the work's done. The, the layout's moving along. Most of the art is done. And the core book will be coming out. I'm hopeful by Gen Con, but we're working on that and seeing how fast we can do it. So that leads to Free RPG Day. It should be... 
So this is the cover art to Free RPG Day this year. The fun part about Free RPG Day, because it doesn't involve, um, traditionally when you sell to, to retailers, they shelve stuff, and so you have to have the title in kind of the upper two inches to reflect the way they, they shelve titles. But Free RPG Day, nothing shelved. It's kind of usually laid out on a table and given away for free. So it kind of frees you up to do what you want. So this year, we're not going to do a title. This, this is what the cover will look like. Doug did an awesome job of rendering Hugh the Barbarian, a.k.a. Hugh Heftblade's head. He doesn't like it when I call him Hugh the Barbarian. <laughs> well, because I'll tell you why. <laughs> Look at that. I'll tell you. Um, here's why, Mike. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, it's just you and me. <laughs> so tell me about it. <laughs> Originally, we had uh, Gronan the Barbarian, who is the guy. With the mohawk on the cover of uh, Emerald Enchanter. Emerald Enchanter. Now I forgot that Gronan the Barbarian got renamed Gronan the Grueslayer when I think he died in a miracle. Yeah, he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or something like that. So anyway, I always—it's actually an admission that I'm wrong here, and now I'm realizing on the spot. Um, <laughs> I thought it was Gronan the Barbarian, but it's Gronan the Grueslayer, so actually he can be both. Officially, he can be both Hugh the Barbarian, even with those pants, somehow he's still a fucking barbarian. <laughs> uh, and, that, and that's like the antithesis of barbarity, those pants, right? He's <laughs> like a 70s barbarian, though. I mean, <laughs> that's what they wore in the 70s. It's a whole nother discussion to have later. So I admit, he can be, um, it's not mutually exclusive, he can also be um, Hugh Hefblade and Hugh the Barbarian. And I'll withdraw my argument <laughs> for this time. Uh, so, Doug, so, are you officially endorsing this cover as so, to the Barbarian? Yeah, I officially endorse that. Whoever's here from the AP can just go file that with home office. Um, whatever. Reuters, go for it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. So this year's free RPG Day module will obviously be free. Uh, free RPG Day is in June. It's at many, many stores nationwide, so check it out. It's a great chance to get free stuff, great chance to run games or play games at your local game store, and just a great chance to support local game stores in general. Um, and it'll have two adventures inside. First will be one for Maximum X Crawl, which will be called Dungeon Detonation. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's one that Brendan wrote, especially for this adventure, or for this event. It has um, a room full of dice where the players have to fight a dice golem, which is always fun. As well as, as well as a bunch of other crazy stuff, that the kind of stuff that Brendan comes up with. But it's a lot of fun. Um, and then it'll have a DCC module called uh, Elzamon in the Bloodsucking Box, which is written by Terry Olson. He's another finalist in the Mystery Map Adventure Contest we had a couple years ago. Um, the players have to deliver this mysterious, strange box um, to a specific place on the instructions of a wizard. They don't know exactly what's in the box, and it requires a certain amount of blood each day to remain satisfied. <laughs> if you don't give it blood, you might find out what happens. So it's a really fun adventure, and I look forward to it. So the next couple topics, I'm going to talk about some systems-neutral products we have coming up. Um, and let me flip through to a great cover we have. Isn't this a great cover, Joe? Yep. I love it. 
So this is the cover to Monster Alphabet, and Joe Bittman here, uh, Mike Curtis, you may have heard, wrote a book called The Dungeon Alphabet, which is very popular. Joe has a great idea to write the Monster Alphabet. So it's sort of an A to Z instruction set on monster design and monster inspiration. Every page will have, like the Dungeon Alphabet, um, amazing art accompanying it, 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 it's great spreads and so on. And I'm going to turn it over to Joe to talk a little bit about what he worked on and what inspired him and what he likes about it. Thanks, Joseph. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm a huge fan of the Dungeon Alphabet and used uh, Michael Curtis's book uh, for quite some time. Um, and I was also a big fan of uh, James uh, Raggi's, um Random Esoteric Creature Generator, also from Goodman Games. And uh, they were out on my shelf together, and I was like, well, why isn't there a monster alphabet? You know, you just kind of do the same thing. So um, in, in the book, you'll find... Um, different things there's uh, monster templates so like if you go to d is for dragon um there's just a table of different ideas for dragons and uh hopefully you're there are dragon ideas that you haven't seen before so um you basically roll on a table and um reskin a dragon in some other adventure with a crazy ass dragon from this table um so there's those there's um you know just uh, you know, physical um, appearance, um, wings, different powers that you could have, um, and uh, it, you, you could just use it for one idea, or you can actually generate a monster um, from you know all the way up, um, and it will tell you to flip to different sections, and you roll on it and make yourself a new weird monster, hopefully that no one's seen before. So I'm pretty excited about it, and uh, Frank Menser is doing the forward. I think is done. So. Exciting, and obviously is the Jim Holloway piece on the cover. Um, so I'm excited about it. Thanks, man. I just like it. Yeah, it's it's great work. It, it turned out really good. Um, when you guys see the final product, you're going to we're all going to want to go make up some monsters. <laughs> like when I was reading the manuscript, I was like rolling dice. It was just a lot of fun. Um, and in terms of the artists who were working on it, he mentioned Jim Holloway did the cover, which turned out great. Uh, Errol Otis has signed up, Jeff Eastley signed up, um, Doug's obviously signed up. <laughs> a lot of other folks have signed up, so it's going to be a lot of great art inside. Did I, did I tell you that you're signed up for this? My name's on that. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm glad you read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you told me yesterday. Okay. All right. Thanks, Joe. Um, so a couple other systems-neutral products we have coming up. Let me show you some of these. Um, this one right here, you may notice this awesome cover. This is a book that Michael Curtis wrote probably a couple of years ago now. Something like that. Called The Adventure of Almanac. Like three years or something. <laughs> yeah. Been waiting for the right time, and I think we're coming up on the right time. Do you want to tell them a little bit sure, about it? Sure, sure. Right. Um, the Adventures Al- the Adventures Al- Almanac is uh, is kind of from the same uh, design principle as the Dungeon Alphabet. Uh, it was designed to. It, this is not supposed to be a. This is how you do X, Y, and Z. It is a. It is a book that is designed to kind of kickstart the imagination. What it is, we're still working on kind of like the subtitle for it, but it's basically the what the Adventures Almanac contains is 366 days of adventure. Um, it is the the format of it is it, is it, it presents a kind of a fantasy calendar um, that is pretty much straightforward to use, but it kind of conjures up that, you know, kind of the, the appendix N type of, uh, you know, the, the pulp sword and saucery thing. So if you're one of those people like, you know, you, you 
you want to insert a campaign into your world, but you don't want to have the player because I know my personally when a very over creative game master starts like, well, it is the twenty seventh day of the passage of the fourth phase of the year of according to the calendar. No, it's not like that. No, it's <laughs> it's a thirteen month calendar, so you can easily insert it into your campaign. Um, every day has an adventure seed. Uh, you know, usually anywhere from you know th- three to four sentences would just help you kickstart your idea if you were the game master. Like, okay, you know, yeah, the uh, sorceress is riding yetis come down from the great north and attack the barbarian towns and and steal all of their yeti, you know, you chow. Uh, and that, that may be something that occurs in a, in a winter adventure. Um, but on top of that, every month also has three to four um, the fleshed out uh, either adventure locales, NPCs, magical items, that sort of stuff. Uh, which again, kind of, you know, uh, you can expand on as well or just drop into the campaign world. It has its own little um, uh, astrology system that you could use to, you know, determine what what you know what if your your character is born under the sign of the crab and has got bonuses to swim or something like that. So um, it's a, it was a lot of fun to write. And uh, again, if you dug the uh, the dungeon alphabet uh, for this, you know. This is not the hard and fast way to do it, but you want something to kind of kickstart your imagination. 366 days of adventure ideas, at the very least, can be found within there. So, Awesome. Okay. It's a great, great manuscript. When you read it, you just walk away with, with lots of ideas. It's a lot of fun. Joseph, can I say one other thing real quick? Yeah, is, okay. uh, I, I totally space, and Michael Kerr's actually helped me out with this, too, so uh, he's done entries in the book. And your baby, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Sorry. It, they're both great. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's one other systems neutral book coming up, which is GM Gems. I lost the cover art. So this is, if you guys remember from the, uh, I guess it would be second edition era, Laura Lakey, who's one of Doug's favorite artists, did a lot of great work back then. And this is Laura Lakey's cover for GM Gems. GM Gems is actually we released it under third edition, and a lot of folks liked it. It's in the same theme as sort of GM Inspiration, a book of kind of themed tables and themed articles that'll just sort of get your juices flowing. Um, and a lot of the content was essentially systems neutral anyway, with a, the slight degree of third edition thrown in. So we've updated that small amount of stats element to DCC RPG, and that'll be coming out later this year. So I have one more small topic, and then I'm going to get to a more interesting sort of announcement of sorts. But we have one other title that I wanted to talk about, which this guy right here. If you're a fan of Appendix N, you may have heard of a guy named Matthew Lovecraft. So we have a small series we do, probably about once every 8 to 12 months, we release an adventure in the Age of Cthulhu adventure line. Um, and it's been building up steam now for several years. We're about to release the 8th module in the line. This one is called Starfall Over the Plateau of Lang, and it's by John Hook. And John's written some great work for the Call of Cthulhu line, including some other work for us in Age of Cthulhu. Um, and this one's in process right now. The manuscript's done. The editing's in process. Or the editing's actually done, and the, the interior art's in process. And it'll be coming out, hopefully by Gen Con, probably in a hardcover format. It turned out as, as these scenes get written and then get edited, then we say, oh, we should expand on this area, and then we add in a little more material. This one kind of ended up as the longest Age of Cthulhu module yet. It's 64 pages. It's a lot of fun. It's a great adventure. Um, and most of your characters will get the opportunity to die. <laughs> As you know, it's one of the things we strive for here at Good Games. It's a lot of fun, and uh, look for that later in the year. And now I wanted to take a minute to ask somebody to join me up here on the stage. Um, we're working on another project, which has been in the works since 1976, and I was wondering if Jim Ward would mind joining me up here on the stage. Maybe. <laughs> That's a long way. 
And I'm definitely going to need help getting out of that couch. How's it going? It's going good now. So, Jim, I, I hear you wrote a little game in 1976. A long time ago, and probably before all of these people were born, actually. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm also happy to see all the beards. Well done, guys. <laughs> keep, up, keep up the good work. I was thinking maybe we could tell everybody what that game was and what we're doing with it. Metamorphosis Alpha. Um, some of you have heard about it. It was the first science fiction role-playing game. And uh, Gary let me write it for some strange reason. I've never been able to figure that out. And uh, so it came out in 76, first science fiction game, 32 pages. So and it was complete in itself. You could actually play it and make characters. So, and we've had lots of versions since then. We're up to version 4. And uh, version 5 someday will come out. And, uh, and this guy calls me up out of the blue and says, Hey... How about if we do Metamorphosis Alpha? And, and I was actually quite mystified because I was already doing it. <laughs> but then he explains what he wanted, and, and I thought it was brilliant. Why don't you give him that half? All right, I'll tell him that half. So let me show you guys something. It's actually kind of interesting. I have a copy here of the first printed edition of Metamorphosis Alpha. So if you, thank you. If you buy this at... Thank you, Vanna. <laughs> this is Bearded Vanna. Yes. <laughs> so if you buy this uh, on eBay or at an auction or something, you're going to pay at least 100 bucks, probably a lot more. Yep. It's hard to find. It's an awesome read. Um, it, it, it's, a great, it's a great product. And I think all of us would love to have a copy of this. So what I've been thinking about a lot lately is the fact there's a lot of great material out there, and in order to get a hold of it, you have to search for a while and get lucky and find it on eBay and then spend 100 bucks. But then you do buy it, and if you're like me, you wear glasses, and the font size is really small. <laughs> yeah, I could read it in 76. <laughs> so I was thinking, but wouldn't it be great if we were able to republish this and maybe enlarge it a little bit, just in a slightly larger format? So what we're working on is this version of Metamorphosis Alpha. Look at this bonker. <laughs> you could kill somebody with this. <laughs> we kill them lots of ways in this room. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? So this is a mock-up. The physical version will be coming later this year. The idea is that we're taking the original Metamorphosis Alpha, and Jim owns the rights to the whole kit and caboodle. So we're increasing the size just a little bit. So the entire page size will go up by about 10%, which is enough to, it makes, at least in my case, a, a real difference in legibility. It's honking big. Look at that. I know, isn't it huge? So the... Within this, there's, we have great use of margin technology. <laughs> Margins around the edges. Margin technology. But in addition to the original material, a lot of the supplemental material that was originally published in Dragon Magazine, not just in Dragon, like Dragon Magazine number five. I mean, we're talking way back to the early area. A lot of those additional articles are also appearing inside this, compiled together. In addition to that, Jim has written some inspiring new material with new NPCs, new creatures, new adventure A couple ideas. things, yeah. A couple things. That'll take that original 32 pages and make it easy to jumpstart a campaign right away. In addition to that, Joe and Mike are also contributing some additional material. And let me tell you where all this is going. So effective about an hour ago, we launched a Kickstarter. That Kickstarter is to fund this edition of Metamorphosis Alpha. It will fund this hardcover edition. It comes in at about 128 pages when you factor in all the elements. It includes the original material, 
It includes Jim's additional material. It includes most of the material that was published long ago in Dragon Magazine and a couple other uh, you know, various magazines back in the 70s. Space and Gamer. And Space Gamer, and yeah, Dungeoneer had one article, a couple bits and pieces like that. It also includes some great introductory articles on how to play the game, some by Jim, sort of his advice on uh, how he's played the game and run the game over the many years, and an article by Mike is sort of the bridge from if you're a modern gamer and aren't quite used to the old school style of uh, rulings, not rules, it sort of uh, helps bridge that gap. Then it has uh, Marv here in the back did a great interview with Jim, sort of asking him a lot of great questions and sort of telling some great stories about the origins of the game and how he met Gary, Gary and uh, some of his early times at TSR and other fun subjects. Um, and then yeah, I hope you don't get sued. <laughs> we all hope that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then um, there's a fellow named John Peterson who wrote a, a great book on the history of D&D, and he wrote a great introduction to this uh, this volume that's a history of Metamorphosis Alpha and how it ties in. A lot of things in the industry came from those early days, so it's about how those early ideas sort of formed into Metamorphosis Alpha and then how they informed some of the later generations. I, I don't know if you've read the John Peterson book. It's kind of amusing because it's 700 pages long on what Gary did for D&D. He was able to do my Metamorphosis Alpha in three pages. <laughs> so we clearly didn't have the material that he had for Gary's stuff. But it, it's still really interesting. It's a good read. Yep. Um, so anyway, we'd, we'd like you guys to take a look at that Kickstarter if you get a chance. And if you like the idea of playing a classic game in a sort of a modern edition, enlarged a little bit so you can read it better, and in a great hardback format, give it a shot. Um, and along with the Kickstarter, we're producing some new modules to go with it. So I, Before we get to that, if, 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 yeah, no, just uh, you should re- you should remember that there's also uh, in that version of it will be Jim's original. You're right. That's a great call. Jim's original. So Jim, long, why don't you do, tell this? Do I know we're going to do this? <laughs> what are I we talking about? <laughs> this is those original playtest notes. Oh, original playtest notes. Yeah. These guys, they're merciless. <laughs> Jim, if you got anything from when you made the game 40 years ago, you know? And so I'm looking through my house, I'm turning over stuff, and I managed to find the first three levels that I did for Gary and Brian, Brian Bloom, who were the bosses in those days, the first three levels I did for Metamorphosis itself I managed to find with some notes on, on what um, we did and what we needed to change. So we were doing the, the game, playtesting the game early in those days, and Gary liked the Wolfoids, but he thought they were way too weak. And he wanted some Martian, for some reason, I think it was because he was working on that Martian Barsoom book, he wanted some Martian stuff in there. So the Martian stuff never made the real game. Um, it may actually made a later version. But so I had these three maps of uh, of the warden, and uh, and so I give him these things, and and they're like treasured articles. And John Peterson, oh, you had three original levels of the thing, and you know what? They never got used again ever. I just did them so that Gary was pleased, and so that Gary knew I was you know doing what I was supposed to be doing. So the. I turned over the modules to him, and John Peterson wanted to see him, and, and it just amazed me that anybody cared about these three old, strange, handwritten maps, something I, w- I wouldn't want people to see. <laughs> but he was insistent. So you're going to see these awful, terrible, hand-drawn, cartoony maps, and you're going to lose a lot of respect for James and Moore. <laughs> and that's what we're all about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. It's the rest of us who draw stupid, cartoony maps over. 
Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll see war, you'll see raw ward. It'll be terrifying to everybody. So he's I actually marketing for the Kickstarter. Right, right, yes, yes, yes. We're going to edit this a little bit. No, it's actually it's it's awesome. Jim is the master of understatement, um, and I know to you it, it's something you did at home, and it's you know to you it's just. something I'm you still did, shuddering. But. I'm still worried about what people are going to think. Are they see I these? love them. Yeah. Okay. It's literally like a window into history. This is the earliest days of TSR when they'd been in existence for a year or two and yes. you were gaming with the father of role playing and yeah. you were just coming up with ideas for what would become the first science fiction role playing game ever yep. and you know I've seen them and we have them scanned and ready for the book and they're just handwritten notes like any of us would do but it's back in an era when we didn't have reams and reams and bookshelves full of material to, to crib off of this was when the ideas were all fresh and new and what you came up with was unique and special and yeah, I thought it was pretty cool man he keeps, he keeps trying to make you feel good <laughs> Anyway, those pages are scanned. Um, yeah, they'll be great. printed in color in here, and uh, they're awesome. A we- fine legacy for me. <laughs> as, as nobody buys the book, oh, did you see those three pages? You don't want to write the book now. <laughs> We're not going to show them the pages until after they That's very wise. <laughs> very wise. <laughs> Question? What's your, uh, what's your anticipated retail for that? So, so I've gone back and forth on this. This is very expensive to print. Um, it'll probably be an $80 for the Kickstarter. Um, then there'll be like a leather bound and special stuff for people who want more. We can do a smaller version for cheaper, and obviously the 32 page version would be cheaper. Um, and I kind of debated doing like a soft cover version. But what I want, like this right here, this is a 38 year old module. And it's scuffed and it's fallen apart and it's hard to find. This is about as good as a condition you can get it in. I think we're at a point in the sort of era of gaming where there's a lot of folks, myself included, who want material that's going to last to pass on to their kids and maybe even their grandkids. So part of the reason I'm doing the oversized volume, part of the reason it's hardcover, part of the reason I'm doing what's called Smythe sewn binding, which is a very expensive form of binding that involves sewing and stitching in addition to glue binding. Um, it should be something that will last 38 years and be in really good condition for the point in time when you want to show this to your grandkids. I'll say, what's a book? Yeah, that's a downer. (laughs) So let me tell a little story about this module. Oh, yeah. So I I didn't mention, we also have a Metamorphosis Alpha Adventure module available, which will go on sale uh, as soon as the seminar ends in the Gary Khan dealer's hall. There we go. So here's the deal on this. First of all, this guy over here really gets it, which makes me very happy. He's written several articles that I've had to approve, and they're right on the money. So the, the appropriate amount of death, the, the, the appropriate amount of puzzling and solving. So he gives me this to, to read and approve, and I'm saying to myself, okay, I better bear down really hard and find lots of things wrong with this so these guys know I'm serious. So I'm reading through the thing. I take a couple days to do it, and all I got was, well, take out the word take and put in took. <laughs> this thing is right on the money. It's a great beginner story. The, the story, for me, the story has also always been the deal. If you got a good story, everything else just flows from it. This story is wonderful. And, and pretty much the only thing that I criticized about it was there wasn't, the, the guys aren't tough enough. <laughs> they're, all, they're all eight, nine, and ten dice creatures. And, you know, in my game, you know, the laser guns do like 15 dice of damage. 
So they were kind of wimpy characters, but uh, we're making that up by letting me do a couple adventures. That has some some decent monsters. (laughs) But that thing is right on the money. It's a great story, and uh, I I really appreciated it. So I think it's it's good in the cover. It's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I got the original. Oh, he's got the original. Doug did the cover art. Let's not let him answer any questions about it. (laughs) (laughs) You You can hold it. I'll be happy to hold this. Oh, it's heavy too. On Jesso board, isn't it? <laughs> it's I the same as this, but I tried to do yeah. a style that kind of. Um, you caught the style of M.A. Kind of went along with, with yeah. the original cover. And I know, no, you did. In between, so. It's just wonderful. It really is wonderful. Oh, and the maps in the back, too. I did the oh, maps. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike, why don't you talk about the adventure? Mike wrote the adventure. It's a great adventure. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let me just say is that when Joseph said, I got some very cryptic emails uh, a few months back, and, and I was like, I think hope this is going where this is going because <laughs> uh, I the second uh, the second role playing game I ever owned my godfather gave it for Christmas the year after I was introduced with D&D was Jim's uh, Gamma World oh uh, there we go the first apocalyptic role playing right, game first apocalyptic role playing game and I have been a fan ever since and I've had the pleasure of playing uh, under Jim's ages three times now I think I've, I've ventured into the warden and I have emerged unscathed each time and that's really unusual too <laughs> we won't mention I had to throw the entire party under the bus the first that time that was not bus. nice of you at all <laughs> yeah. but, but I don't think they appreciated that <laughs> <laughs> but just the chance to be able to kind of, you know, officially play in uh, Jim's sandbox, uh, both as a player and now to get to write this adventure and make my own small contribution to the Warden was just a dream come true to me. So, um, like I said, we, we, I, as Jim has been very kind to say, is that I get metamorphosis. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I... It, we just kind of set this up with um, I mean the warden is such a huge place that there's so much room to you know improvise and add stuff to it so I just took a small little corner of it and taking uh, Jim's own play style and the stuff that he's laid down in previous versions of Metamorphosis Alpha I just hope to embrace it so you um, you are a small party of, of uh, young tribes people and your village shaman gets, uh, gets uh, kidnapped and it is up to you to find out what happened to him um, the cover art, I am completely amazed by what Doug did. He totally, I mean, I, I, I love Doug's work anyway, but this one, he really blew, blew my mind on that. Um, he was, there was a lot of jokes about theremin music going on as we were writing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, one of the things that he incorporated, which uh, which was my suggestion, because it, it, um, there was an episode, this is, this is going back, there was an episode of The Bionic Woman, which had the fembots. I don't know if anybody remembers that episode. All right. Remember when their faces came off and you saw, right. That terrified me as a child. <laughs> so I was, I was, when I was talking about the, I had the idea of an injured android and that whole, that guy that had the post-traumatic stress disorder, that whole flashback of that. So I was like, Doug, I just sent him an image just like work. <laughs> like that. So thus, uh, thus our, our android underlord uh, is, a, is, a, is a callback to. Uh, I didn't to, know we had a chance to make it female. That would have been really good. Well, that would have been directly stealing, then. So <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> I'm not the one getting sued this time. <laughs> but no, it really captures the spirit of Metamorphosis Alpha. This whole this whole project has been wonderful, and and these guys are spending a lot of bucks on doing prod modules and adventures and and follow along product that MA never had in the beginning. So it's it's just a great deal, and I'm. 
I'm supremely happy about the whole thing. It's, it's my baby. I love Metamorphosis Alpha, and, and I wouldn't let anything bad happen to it. So <laughs> these guys are doing it right, so I'm really appreciative. Thanks, Jim. And let me ask Joe to talk a little bit as well. So as Jim alluded, there's going to be follow-up modules. One is available now. Part of the idea behind the Kickstarter is we're going to do, I'm calling it a subscription program, but essentially publish three more supporting modules over the next year. And the idea is that you can start your campaign now and then you know get something to continue it basically every couple months. And uh, Mike wrote one of those, Jim wrote one of those, and Joe wrote one as well. Joe, tell us about the one you're writing. Sure. Uh, so uh, my adventure is called uh, Death Ziggurat in Zero G. What's it called? Death Ziggurat in Zero G. Uh-huh. So uh, it's kind of a cross between um, <laughs> Al-Kadim and uh, Metamorphosis Alpha and a French high school textbook. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'm sold. We'll have to buy that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically it's, you know, starting area, you're in this um, uh, isolated section of the ship. Um, this isolation barriers drop down and um, uh, there's, uh, you know, Harsh desert climate, and um, there's all these tribes fighting over um, the limited resources. Yeah. Wait, just a second. Does anybody here own any Alcadim anything?s Raise your hand if you do. Well, that's not too bad. It's actually a number of them. It's, it's, it was TSR's Arabian Nights effort, and I thought it was wonderful, but it didn't sell as good as we wanted it to. It only sold thirty thousand copies. <laughs> as opposed to the other ones that sold tens more. But anyway, I'm glad you put a little Alcadim in it. Um, so, yeah, and then you know, there's there's a cigarette that will kill everybody. Really? Yes. <laughs> well, it's right in keeping them with metamorphosis. <laughs> That's great. And the last thing to mention on the metamorphosis alpha front is that we printed up a special custom dice bag for Gary Khan that says uh, metamorphosis alpha, pure strain human. There's dice bags that you can get as part of the pledging process, but this one's different because it says pure strain instead of true human. So rare collectible. <laughs> if you pledge here at the con and come by the booth and show us the indicator that you pledged, either you know the email confirmation on your phone or print out or whatever, we'll give you a free copy of that dice bag here while you're at the show. You'll you'll really want it. It's these guys are these guys are constantly making me sad. So I, I get a call. Jim, you know, you really don't have a 3D6 system in Metamorphosis Alpha. I said, what? I mean, for 40 years I've been using 3D6. But in the original, in the combat, I talk about a D20. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) And they're doing the same thing with other parts of the game. They keep calling me, Jim, you, you don't have pure strain humans in Metamorphosis Alpha. I said, what? For 40 years, I've been talking about pure strain humans. I, I didn't call them, in the book, I didn't call them pure strain humans. You did by so, third edition. By third edition I did, yes. But that, that doesn't count when you're talking about lawsuits and great big game companies, that kind of thing. Something I'm always on the lookout for because they, the big buck guys seem to have it out for me for some strange reason I've never been able to figure out. But we have these illegal dice bags that <laughs> are, are only going to be tossed in our Yeah. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so we have these illegal dice bags that are only going to be given out here. You absolutely have to have one because I think in a year it's going to be worth like a hundred bucks. Because it says pure strain human, it says not pure true strain. human. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, limited edition, rare collectible, available only at Gary Con Force. So do it. AKA illegal. Yeah, rush, rush <laughs> to the table. How many have you got here? Uh, I think about a hundred or so. A hundred. Your chance to own something gigantically valuable. 
Uh, and on the note of ziggurats, so uh, you may know here at Goodman Games we have strict creative guidance, and that occasionally consists of rules that come down like no more tentacles. <laughs> really? <laughs> Publish too many modules with tentacles. So there, there was a, a ziggurat ban for a while, but the ziggurat ban has been lifted. First we have the, the, the death ziggurat, and then here at the show, the other module that is fresh from the printer is Bride of the Black Dance, which is on sale downstairs. Also includes uh, an additional adventure in the back, which does feature a ziggurat. Oh, cool. So we're back in ziggurat territory. I think I may need to issue another edict of no more ziggurats, because they're just piling up. But anyway, it's a great time to adventure in a ziggurat, guys. Come on by the booth and we'll hook you up. And who's that one? Yeah, who wrote that? Um, so Harley wrote Bride of the Black Dance. Edgar Johnson wrote the supporting feature, which is uh, a new old cobra called Blood for the Serpent King. You guys may remember the Emerald Cobra from DCC number 16. I'm sure that's seared in your memory. Um, and this continues the adventures related to that character. Yeah, and Edgar's a great writer, and the adventure came out great. So thanks, Jim, for coming up. I think that's it for... Uh, oh, that you're, you're so full of great reminders. So we also have signed book plates. 160 of them. It'll, as part of the Kickstarter, there's a limited number of signed copies available. These 160 plates, of them. <laughs> How many is it? 160. <laughs> he remembers because he signed 160. I had to sign 160. <laughs> <laughs> Numbered and signed. It took me four hours. <laughs> Thank you. The least I could do for you. So those will be, uh, in the book place will be inside um, a certain number of the original books here. 160 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Was there any MA questions from anybody? We could take care of anybody, Bueller. Anybody? With, uh, yes, sir. With uh, Michael's works, uh, a lot of the stuff here. But yeah, as you mentioned, you just copied them from a lot of stuff now. The EBA is kind of pricey. It is. This is an excellent question. Drive-through RPG. You can get the 35 pager for 15 bucks right this second. Yeah. And the big 192 pager, you can get that for more bucks. I don't remember what it was. But, uh, yeah, it's, so it's on drive through. But pretty much, you, it, I mean, you can pretty much use that adventure in any science fiction game that you care about. So. And actually, another, thanks, Rick. Another great question from there is that. Uh, just to be clear on this Kickstarter, the way I like to approach Kickstarter, and I think Jim is of the same vein, is that we want to have everything pretty much done and yes. go forward with it. We're not waiting on people to write things. We're not waiting on people to finish up work. So the idea behind this Kickstarter is all the writing's done, material's complete. Uh, we're at essentially the editing and layout stage, so there's not going to be any issues. We're waiting on this guy to finish this module, and he's almost done, and so on and so forth. When is this product going to come out? The goal is to have it out by Jim Cotton. Gen Con. Possibly sooner. Kind of depends on I the, heard uh, May a long time ago, but that's obviously out the window. That'll be a little tougher. Okay. Yeah, since we're starting this in about May 23rd's my birthday. I think that's a perfect release date. We'll, we'll see if we can get one special one. Yeah, one. <laughs> we'll get one. Just one. Give, give him the Mako. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah, nice blank pages. Oh, no, something else. Prince Valiant. I had a Mako something. There we go. <laughs> I think I would have preferred blank pages. <laughs> I'll see what I can by, by May, I'll have some. Oh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and that's it, everybody. Thanks a lot for coming Thanks. by. We'll be around in front of the yard. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. And you're doing a great job.